Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 99. Brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist, NFL, that's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year Streak, without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. I appreciate you asking. Uh, happy Jerome Brown Day, which is officially the last day that I'll ever feel like I have to do a, a jersey. Which, again, like it's not even like I do this regularly. It's just I put myself in the spot sometimes. But big ups, Jerome Brown. 99, obviously, retired jersey number for the Eagles. But... Uh, it's a good day to be alive, man. I'm a happy camper. What's going on with you? Not much, man. I'm just thinking that we have to maybe put it out there for the listeners to decide what show 100 should be. Like like the topic. Do we just continue doing Eye on the Enemy or do we do something special for, for episode 100? It's a bit of a landmark, man. We put in a lot of work. It is. But it's funny because like, we had Locked on Eagles together. And then we had... Which had hundreds of shows. <laughs> yeah, we've had two iterations of BGN Radio. Of the KNS. Yeah. And so it's like... Are we at episode 100? We're probably like, if we actually did the math, like, where do you think we'd be? We'd be much further than 100. I feel like we'd be over 300 for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, Lockdown Eagles, we were five times a day or five times a week. Oh, man. Big ups to <laughs> people who work on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including me, to be honest, actually, because I do Lockdown Full Draft. It's, it's a grind. It's a grind. And yeah. so, yeah, like, happy 100th episode. And yeah, if the listeners have ideas, for sure, send them over. Uh, if you don't know our Twitter names, you will by the end of this episode. I mean, it's funny because it's like it is a centennial, but also like it feels like it's not, you know. Yeah, it is and it's not. But, you know, I'm all for celebrating fake things. It's a Hallmark episode. Gentle listeners, hit us up at BGN underscore radio. Make sure you're following that account as well. And let us know what show 100 should be. Do you want Eye on the Enemy Dallas Cowboys or do you want something uh, different, something a little bit more personal, a little personal touch for the KNS here? So, Ben. Let's let's dig into it, man. We, we've already alluded to the fact that we're doing the Ion Enemy series. We're, this is our mm-hmm. second installment. This is on the Washington Redskins. So to reiterate what this series is for, every year me and Ben take an in-depth look at the fellow NFC East teams and give an outlook for them that we branch out and cover teams that we feel are in a position to make a run at this thing called the Super Bowl. So this is the second installment, the first being on the New York Giants on the KNS episode 97. I'm really pushing the KNS. I hit you up that earlier today. That needs to be Yeah, a thing. tell me about this. Why this? Shorthand, maybe. Like, I, instead of typing out the Kist and Solak show every time, we can now just say the KNS. It just, yeah, it, I've it's, been doing it's this for, for a while. I don't know. Like, have that's you? why when you were like, I have an idea, I was like, 
Yeah, that's how regular people type. But do you say it like verbally? Like nobody says the K and S. I feel like that's a problem. Oh, you know, well, saying it. Well, the thing is, like, Kirsten Solak is only four syllables. K and S is three syllables. So you're saving just a syllable. Yeah, but it sounds cool, in my opinion. Okay. Gentle I mean, listeners, like, let us know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, I'm there. That sounds good. K&S, baby. Yeah, so the K&S episode 97 was the New York Giants. Of course, we're doing the Redskins today. Check that out if you want some laughs about the Giants there. We both predicted that they'd win less than six games, which was their over-under line. And I'll spoil it a little bit here, but we'll save our predictions for the end. Based on the betting side I'm on, no free ads, the over-under for the Redskins is at the same six wins. So public perception or at least the betting community doesn't have a great feeling about this Washington team. And we're about to find out if me or Ben feel any different. So, Ben, I want to do something a little bit different today to kick this off. Oh. I want to do some quick word association with some key members of the front office and coaching staff. Mm. Uh, you didn't know I was going to do this. So this is going to be all off-the-cuff answers from Ben. So I need one to two word answers after I say their name. Are you ready for this, Ben? Sure. Why not? Owner Dan Snyder. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a sound. President Bruce Allen. Hopeless. Head coach Jay Gruden. Stuck. I like that. Defensive coordinator Greg Minuski. 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 Um, Minuski. Like classic, traditional. Okay. See, I, I would have gone with like replaced there. Maybe nepotism comes to mind with Bruce Allen just because his father was George Allen. You know, he was their coach during the 70s. I'll save uh, the Minuski stuff for the defensive portion of the show, though. Let's uh -huh. talk about where this team is headed as an organization, and we could even take a broad view of this. And this is something that we talked about before, but we can zoom out even more. When I, th when I think about the alleged leadership of this Washington Redskins organization, the, the word disorganized, maybe even like blunt, chaotic were some words that came to mind. Uh, you could throw out power hungry if you really want to talk about Allen a little bit more. Maybe that's another one. The only thing that has been really stable there in Washington has been strife. And me and Ben have said this before. We like Jay Gruden. We think he's a perfectly cromulent head coach. Is that with a C? Cromulent. <laughs> cromulent? Yeah, perfectly cromulent. Acceptable or adequate. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. Look up the Simpsons meme for that. Just go Simpsons cromulent. You'll, you'll see where I'm going with that. Okay. But yeah, headed into the draft, I mean, there were a, a ton of rumors about taking over war rooms and trading up in front of the Giants, and it just looked all chaotic. And they sat back in the draft and really let the board fall to them, which based on their history and based on the caveman-like manner in which they have approached free agency for what feels like two decades, that process somehow produced some pretty excellent results. Obviously, keeping in mind that we don't know what any of these prospects are going to be with any kind of certainty. You can kind of say that for everyone, though, from where we're sitting. And we were impressed. But I have a hard time swallowing that this is sort of some philosophical shift in the organization maybe more like an aberration, because even in their free agency period, I mean, it was typical Redskins stuff. They just didn't have the money to throw it around because they're bad at the cap. I mean, they still spent, yep. what, $14 million a year, $45 million guaranteed for a safety, and a pretty good player in Landon Collins, but a safety nonetheless, which was huge money for that position. And like I said, I believe they would have spent more, gone crazier on other players, but they were prevented by it by their own past recklessness, which at the present leaves them with less than $8 million of cap just from their top 51. So looking at this organization, I threw a lot that out there for you, Ben. Do you think that draft was an aberration as far as their process went? Yeah, right. So that's why like when you're saying like what words would we use to describe like the front office and the, and the organization as a whole, like to me, what comes to mind is, is disoriented because you can have a really good draft and i thought they had a really good draft they had one of my top five yep. draft classes a tremendous draft top to bottom but nobody looked at that and said like have the redskins figured it out we all looked at it and it was like was i would have done but we still don't trust you guys from a 
team building perspective, from a roster management perspective, from a resource allocation perspective, from a cap management perspective, from a PR perspective. This team has never... That's why like, I said like Jay Gruden is stuck. Like I think Jay Gruden runs a good West Coast offense. He calls a good game. Yeah. But there's so much that's limited in terms of what you're doing in Redskins. I mean, their 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 field is bad. They do not have a stronghold in the fan base. They consistently make bad PR moves. They consistently make bad football moves. Just nothing about this 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 team is well put together. It's well sculpted. It's built out correctly. I mean, we go go all the way back to the Kurt coupons, right? And just all this like like they had a guy. They had RG three at one of the best rookie quarterback seasons we've ever seen. weren't able to keep him healthy, which you know like part. The Redskins part RG3. They draft Kirk Cousins in the exact same draft. He goes. He's able to take the starting job. He's able to do some good stuff for them. They're unwilling to pay him, so they franchise him into nothingness. They eventually lose him. They have to trade a really good player for Alex Smith, who even before he got injured, that wasn't a good trade. And they lose Alex Smith. And now you've got uh, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, and Dwayne Haskins. It's just a constant cycle of like how mediocre can we be and how many times can we find the same ways to lose it's just yeah. there's, there's, so there's so much confusion there and so when i look at this this draft class yeah like i they, they kind of like locked into kelvin Harmon. cool like i think jimmy moreland is, is a great pick you know in the late rounds and they go yeah. and they they build out the interior offensive line depth and that was a big problem for them last year but do mm-hmm. i trust this team to like you know figure out how to deploy josh doxson now in his fourth year and like get it right with all of his injuries no like same thing, Paul Richardson. Five years, forty million, or whatever it is. I don't like. You know, I don't. I don't see this team bringing together all of the pieces they've got into like one cohesive, good, predictable team. Like you can even look to last season. They were they they started the season one like five and one or something. Like they yeah. were like good to begin the year, and at no point were we like, oh no, about the Redskins. It was just like, well, let's just wait because this isn't gonna stay, and it didn't. And it's difficult to get a read on this team because of their injury history, too, in the past five years. We've talked about adjusted games lost. The Redskins rank very poorly for being banged up. So again, last five years, they ranked as the 24th, 31st, 28th, 32nd, and 24th unhealthiest team in the league. That's bad. And and, and, I mean, Eagles fans are freaking out about one year being at the bottom of the barrel there. So when when the Redskins started to make a run last year, they were ultimately undone by injuries, and it's not just Alex Smith, but also along their offensive line, which at one point nearly had to play interior defensive lineman Tim Settle at offensive guard. So Smith will not be back. The offensive line is kind of back to health now, I guess, but now Trent Williams is possibly threatening a holdout and doesn't want to play there. That's what the media is saying. I don't know. It's Lock and Fora. We'll see. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just reference a Lock and Fora report? And then also crapped on it, which is like kind of my thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure. <laughs> Got to get the take out there so when it doesn't happen, I can rag on it. Anyway, Ty Niseki walked in free agency to Buffalo. There's a lot of moving parts with this team, and I'm not sure what holds it together on the offensive side of the ball other than Jake Gruden, who in our opinion, like we said, solid schemer and play caller. I think when you look at this offense, you say, okay, if we assume Williams is back, Brandon Scherf is an absolute stud if he's back healthy. Morgan Moses has played a lot better than he did last year, but he popped up on the injury report several times throughout the season, so you could say he was banged up and might be an aberration. Five tackles take a decent amount of snaps, and they had yep. seven guards take a decent amount, or six guards and two centers take a decent amount of snaps. Exactly. So for a team that's starting either Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, or Colt McCoy at any point in the season, you feel like they need to have a stout line and get the run game going and be successful that way, and getting Darius Geis off what essentially was a red shirt helps, you would think. 
But yeah. I don't see a way in which this team really threatens you or beats you with its offense. And keep in mind, this is a team that even with Alex Smith for 10 games and a hodgepodge for the rest, saw the biggest drop from season to season in adjusted net yards per attempt in the passing game out of any team in the NFL from 2017 to 2018. They were also bottom five for the frequency in which their passing attempts resulted in first downs. This offense doesn't scare yeah. me. And this this could be a, a slow, grinded out type team on offense unless Haskins and rookie Terry McLaurin really start hooking up early but again the main point here Ben and I'm really hammering this home I just don't feel threatened by this offense and I think they're going to be bottom 10 for scoring offenses yet again what about you yeah because you've got a offense that's predicated on like it's west coast style offense it's predicated on, on, on timing spacing and short to intermediate throws they do not push the ball deep a lot and even like, you know, yeah. with Kirk Cousins, they didn't push the ball deep a lot. Alex Smith now, comes in. I, I think with Gruden, Gruden still ran aggressive concepts. He didn't have the quarterbacks to do it. They still don't have it. So a lot of that West Coast stuff comes in more. Yeah. See, that's my thing is like, I, I, I when you said, when we say run aggressive concepts, I don't think you're going to find like, I don't know, I, maybe 10 years ago, he was running aggressive concepts. But in today's league, with the amount of flooding downfield zones that there are, and maybe I'm spoiled because like the two offenses I watched most recently before I broke down the Redskins offense for this was the Bills offense and the Browns offense and the oh, Bills okay. offense and the Browns offense, both <laughs> and, like Browns in the Freddie Kitchens era. Just chuck it, right? They just yeah. like this is a very to me quick game based offense, uh, and they're like what they want to run, like when they want to run spot, and they want to run spacing, and they want to run Hank, and they want to run mesh, and just like all these West Coast like, slant flat, want to run all these ideas. When you draft quarterback like Dwayne Haskins, you are consigning yourself to quick game, short intermediate throws. Is what he did well at Ohio State. Is what his strength is. The Dwayne Haskins Ben Roethlisberger comparisons were unintelligible. He has never even remotely played like Roethlisberger. He does not like throwing it deep, and he doesn't throw it deep consistently. He has arm strength, but he does not yet know how to calibrate those throws. Now he could grow into that, and that'd be cool. But that's a that's a multiple years down the road situation. So if we're talking right. about 2019, if it's Haskins, if it's Keenum, if it's Colt freaking McCoy, this is a short to intermediate, quick game, distribute the ball, passing offense. Okay, so there we are. They lost their best yak guy in Jameson Crowder this year. And, like, Jameson Crowder is, like, a, a dude. Like, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you Jameson Crowder is the best guy that's ever existed. But that that's an underrated loss for this offense. Because right now, when you look, we, we talk about, like, the marriage of traits and skills. We're we'll talking about the marriage of scheme and talent here. When you look at the wide receiver room, and you see the two top guys, hypothetically, are Josh Doxson and Paul Richardson. And Terry McLaurin's probably then three in there, right? These yeah. are downfield guys. These are downfield players. McLaurin can be more involved short to intermediate than he was in Ohio State. But in Ohio State, he was there. He was more so their downfield guy. Doxson mm-hmm. is a is a catch radius body control elevate player down the field. Paul Richardson is a catch radius body control elevate player down the field. You have vertical receivers in a horizontal spacing offense right now. Right, Makes and no that's sense. why. Like when, when, and like, this is like Redskins Twitter and like, you know, fantasy Debbie Twitter, they get like all like, you know, buzzy about Trey Quinn, who was literally Mr. Irrelevant last year. He was Mm. 256th pick in the 2010 NFL draft. Well, this is a slot receiver out of SMU who's good with the ball in his hands. Like this is the guy, like he makes sense for how the offense runs. I mean, so like right now. That's not, and then and you can even say like all right well like tight ends and Jordan Reed and, and, and Vernon Davis I mean Vernon Davis is still more of a downfield guy and Jordan Reed hasn't been healthy as long as I've been alive you know like they they, they their best passing option right now is Chris Thompson like you know like it's just there's no like I talked about there's no cohesiveness in terms of the Giants and like Eli Manning's skill set and, and 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 the running game with like the passing offense Shermer wants to build 
I have a similar complaint with the receiving core and the quarterbacks and offensive ideology. Like the the difference there, like it's I, I see vertical receivers and I see a short horizontal passing game. And so I just don't know where the help is going to be. Like if you're going to ask Haskins to start and do much more than he did at Ohio State, I think you're going to really disservice his development. And if you're just going to ask him to be what he was at Ohio State, be not like a game manager, but just be a distributor. Well, I mean, Terry McLaurin better be gosh darn good. Otherwise, yeah. you are in trouble, right? And so that's my main concern there. And then, yeah, it's, it's like I said, offensive line-wise, I mean, they had one offensive lineman in Chase Roulier, who I thought played well. I was really impressed with what I saw from him, mm-hmm. uh, who played 100% of their snaps. And then besides that, Trent Williams was unable to stay healthy. Morgan Moses took the majority of snaps, but he also missed some time, like you said. Sean Laval, Sean Laval, mm-hmm. Sean Laval went down. Brandon Scherf went down for half the season. Jonathan Cooper was in, and then he was out. Like, you know, they could not keep players consistently on the field. And right. so you bring in Wes Martin, you bring in a guy like uh, uh, Royce Piercebacher, and then you, you you bring in Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers is right now the starting left guard. Yeah. If Wes Martin <laughs> or, Roy, or Ross Piercebacher can't beat out Eric Flowers at left guard, the team You're is in trouble. Yeah. The team is like, it's, it's just, just. Like and you, you jokingly before we started recording called this the Redskins redshirt season. Yeah, if you can't beat out Eric Flowers at left guard, redshirt the season. Redshirt the season. Make sure Haskins doesn't get hurt and come back in twenty twenty. Yeah, because do you agree that the offensive line really has to ball out for this offense to do anything consistently? Because this the, the skill players and the way that the philosophy matches up just doesn't match up, and it's going to have to be in the trenches. They're going to stay have to stay healthy, and they're going to have to get that run game going because anything exciting happening in this offense is going to have to happen within behind seven yards of the line of scrimmage to beyond 10 yards of the line of scrimmage and then go from there. And that starts with the offensive line. And then the thing is, like, if you go to circle the strength on this Rodskins offense, which is what we have not yet talked about, I mean, this running back room, best in the league, question mark? Maybe not. Maybe. I mean, like, we've got... Depending on what we know about Darius Geis, if he's back healthy and he is what we think he is. Yeah. Right. Chris Thompson's a baller, too. Yeah, exactly. Chris Thompson is, is is a good scat back in this league. Darius Geis came out this year with a tremendous runner, was a potential first-round grade, first-round talent, and went in the second round, if he's healthy. Adrian Peterson, who played, like, objectively well. Like, like, like oh, for an old guy. Like, he just was good. Like, he was just yeah. good, which nobody saw that coming. But he was good. You drafted Bryce Love. You have Samaj P. Ryan. Like, they have five deep at running back, which is a pointless position to be five deep at. But they're five deep at running back. If you want to draw the path to say, okay, the, it's the end of the 2019 NFL season. The, the Redskins offense was successful. How? Well, number one, it's like development with, with Dwayne Haskins. He probably started. He probably played well. But number two is this team was able to run the ball 25 to 30 times a game successfully. Correct. Right? They have the running backs to do it. It's the offensive line that's the big question. And like if you get Scherf, Roulier, and, and Martin, the kid out of Indiana, and you're like th- those are like Martin's people mover, right? If you can get Martin to start and he can be passable in pass protection. Then you've got with them and then with Morgan Moses and Trent Williams, you've got a, a solid to great run blocking line and you should be able to move the ball on the ground. How much mm. does that translate to wins in 2019? It's debatable, but that's got to be the formula. It's got to be we're, we're going to run the ball a ton and we're not going to ask Haskins to do a lot. We're not going to put him behind the sticks and, and he's going to, you know, really, really translate very, very well in terms of risk management and, and speeding up his process to the game, which I'm not sold will happen. I wasn't a huge fan of Haskins, but it's going to have to start with being able to run the ball 30 times a game successfully. Like that's critical to this offense being successful in 2019. And critical to that success and being able to do that is the defense. And when we come back on the Kiston Solak Show episode 99, we're going to be talking about the Washington Redskins defense in depth and see why I use the word replaced 
for their defensive coordinator so quickly. It's not even September yet. So that's coming up next on the Kiston Solak Show. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back on the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 99, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. So we talked about the Redskins offense. We aren't too threatened by it. The defense is going to have to really stand up and put the offense in a position to succeed, to do what they want to do, which is run the ball, keep games close, get them lead, so on and so forth. And Ben, the first article that I pulled up in researching the Washington defense was a piece by friend of the show, Mark Bullock, who I'll be talking with soon. In this article for The Athletic, Mark uses the word replace regarding defensive coordinator Greg Minuski three different times in the opening paragraph. He mentions that they interviewed such defensive minds as Todd Bowles and Greg Williams, both would balk, and then says the additions of Ray Horton, who I believe is the defensive backs coach, and Rob Ryan, who I believe is the inside linebackers coach, both represented potential replacements for the defensive coordinator there. Now, here's the thing, Ben. If Mark Bullock, who I trust above all others when it comes to covering the Redskins, is already focusing heavily on the Redskins, uh, how they would look like schematically under the direction of Rob Ryan or Ray Horton, it might be a hint that this defense might very well explode before our eyes very soon and in very spectacular fashion. In fact, the word Chernobyl probably comes to mind because, you know, I love that series Mm. on HBO. Here's the thing. They were abysmal against the run last year, despite having a jam-packed defensive line. But overall, they ranked pretty average as a defense. But now Zach Brown is gone. They lose DJ Swearinger. Uh, Landon Collins is is now plugged in there. Preston Smith packed his bags for Green Bay. Are they demonstrably worse coming into the season, or are they better because of the additions in free agency and, and in the draft? I'm, I'm not really sure, Ben. What about you? Yeah, so if we bring up position by position, interior defensive line didn't really change too much and right. I don't if think, anything got more experienced yeah exactly I think when you have Jonathan Allen Deron Payne and you know Caleb Brantley Tim Settle like you're young players so you're good there edge you lose Preston Smith you lose Pernell McPhee you gain Montez Sweat it's probably a step down but there's mm. reason to be excited obviously about Sweat as, as a first round pick I think starting Sweat and Kerrigan you're very happy about if anything like this means more snaps for Ryan Anderson off the edge and he's got to like Step up into that. And I think Anderson was fantastic on on running situations. I don't think he's ever going to be a pass rusher, but it gives you something. Right. Now, interior linebacker definitely got worse. Zach Brown is gone. Zach Vigil is gone. Ruben Foster is injured. Right. And so, like, mm. you, you're you starting Mason Foster and John Bostic. 
Uh, <laughs> I will be throwing it to the tight ends from the running backs. Thank you very much. And like, if Sean Dion Hamilton, who who at the end of last season, if uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure if uh, he he started to get more of the base down snaps, but they took him off the field for uh, pass catching downs, which you saw Zach Brown take his spot. Dion Hamilton needs to be able to play all three downs, and that yeah. will help them out a ton. And so linebacker was definitely better in 2018, and then secondary was unquestionably better in 2018. Uh, and that, that's where their big concern is right now. That's where the big question marks have to be. You add Dominic Rogers Cromartie, okay. Fabian Moreau now has to step up. He has to be a starting outside corner. Safety went completely, you know, like we, we, we entered the year with DJ Swearinger and Monte Nicholson, and we're leaving the year with DeShazer Elevate and Landon Collins. I'm like yeah. starting this next year, I should say. Yeah. I have no idea who's who. Uh, they took Monte Nicholson out of free safety last year to put Ha Clinton Dix in. That did not work. Are they going to put Nicholson back in a free safety, which is what they never should have changed in the first place? Because Nicholson saved their 2017 season in terms of his ability to play deep. I yeah. do not know what happened in 2018. He was I, excellent. I, you cannot explain that to me in English. He made he made the NFC East because I'm doing this article for BleedingGreenNation.com uh, each year. I'm going through and ranking the top player for each position in the NFC East. He was he was like one of my top safeties. I don't, I don't get why they didn't play him and. I mean, what is Everett that much? I like I I don't understand the swap. I didn't get it. Something weird's got to be going on with him. I right, and this thing is like I there's there's off field stuff with Nicholson. I think he's like just like a bit of a knucklehead, <laughs> and then he was also struggling with health a little bit. Okay, which you know, but but maybe that's a question for Mark Bullock, and maybe he can help us suss that out after. Yeah, exa- our, exactly. What? Expert. Yeah, because I don't really get what happened there. All I know is Monte Nicholson was playing, and then they traded for Hawkland Dix, and then he was not playing, and the team got worse. And it was like, well, I mean. <laughs> This this should have been very easily anticipatable. <laughs> and then there's the whole Swearinger drama where Swearinger was basically like, this team yeah. sucks and it's not good to play here. I don't like the way the Ross being managed and they cut him. Mason Foster yelling at fans on Twitter. Like it was, yeah, it got real weird there at right. the end of the season. And so all I know, I know one thing for certain, Mike, and here's what I know for certain. <laughs> Jeremy Reeves probably going to make this roster. Hey, <laughs> hey, throw it back. Jeremy Reeves. The 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 Eagles legend. sleeper sleeper Danelle Pumphrey of my uh, my my defense defense is Danelle Pumphrey. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. But so, so I think I would say 2018 is better. There's reason to be excited about 2019, and like you said, some of the additions are obviously very exciting in terms of a guy like a Montez Sweat. I think Jimmy Moreland has a good opportunity here to make this roster and get some significant playing time in the nickel. And so that's all very exciting stuff. Fabian Moreau's got to step up. Stroman's got to continue to play well and be better. Right. The big question here. Is and like, like it's so the number one big question is free safety because Manuski wants to play cover three. And as the Eagles know, if you do not have a free safety with range, <laughs> you can't protect your corners. And Manuski, yeah. like Norman, plays up, Norman plays in your face, Norman is willing to get beat deep. He needs a safety to cover his back. And so that's the number one issue. But then the number two question mark is going to be did you do enough at linebacker to not be completely exposed in the passing game by running backs and tight ends like you were last year and to me oh, yeah. the answer right now is like barring sean Dion hamilton becoming something he's currently not no with sean Dion hamilton i remember both of us were being pretty high on him was he in your top 50 or around there when he came out in the draft i know he had the medical flag yeah i think he was like a round two around three guy for me he was day two for sure um yeah. and that's the thing is like i called him that talent and the 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 redskins themselves even said like oh he's better than a sixth rounder like he fell for these reasons but the thing is when you're a sixth rounder you don't get the attention and yeah. the experience on the playing field, on the practice field, that you would have if you had actually been drafted in round two and round three, right? Mm. And so accordingly, what you expect to see now is 
Hamilton in a more clear opportunity in year two to win a starting job over like a John Bostick, yep. get more time. And then that's where you expect to see the development come through. And so that's the difficulty of like, Another great example is Calvin Harmon. I thought Calvin Harmon was a round two player. They drafted him in round six. Well, the thing is, I still think he has round two talent, but he's going to get round six opportunity. And so you can't expect him to be like a round two player in year one, even though you had him graded there. Because draft capital defines playing time in that first year. It's so important to remember. Yeah, especially for wide receivers when it comes to production. It is actually pretty pretty correlative, uh, more so than any other metric that's out there, the breakout age or, or market share or any of that nonsense. So uh, one question I had for you, because I, th- I feel like anytime we talk about Washington, I always want to bring up an underrated player. You know, I'm dogged, you know, about bringing up Jason Kelsey and writing articles about him because I think he's just supremely underrated and snubbed all the time. Why are we talking more about Ryan Kerrigan being like a Hall of Famer? Hey, like- hey, <laughs> hey, find your own hill. What, 2014, 13 and a half sacks, nine and a half sacks, 11 sacks, 13 sacks, 13 sacks. This guy's got 84 and a half sacks. He's going to get over 100. Like, th- I feel like this guy's got like four to five solid years left in him where he could average like eight or nine sacks a year. He's got to be a Hall of Famer, right? Imagine having the the fewest number of sacks you get in a season be like 8.5 or whatever it was his rookie year. It was it was 7.5 his rookie year. Everything else has been 8.5 and above. Like he's the model of consistency. Has not missed a game since entering the NFL. That's very important. Has not missed a game. Extremely durable. For for all seasons, most seasons matching criteria. Pro Football Reference. Shout out on the podcast. This is a free ad. You guys are the best. Ryan Kerrigan. Right. Seven seasons of at least eight sacks puts him 27th in the in the in the history of the NFL there are only two active players above him one of whom is Julius Peppers who wait is Julius Peppers still active and Terrell Suggs who both have 11 and so let's say Kerrigan gets just three more of those seasons he'll be top 10 in terms of seasons with at least eight sacks well he's at seven out of the last eight he has never missed a game and he has not exactly he has had eight sacks in his last seven seasons last seven yeah just his rookie year and he had seven and a half that year He's had at least nine sacks in his last five seasons. So he's clearly getting better. He's at least 10 <laughs> sacks in his last three seasons, at least 11, I should say. Like, this is the thing. It's like, it, it, Rand Kerrigan shows up, plays football, gets sacks, and then has the next season. And honestly, like, if he were to get injured, he'd probably become more appreciated because we would realize how important he is to the Redskins' defense. We just never had the opportunity to learn that. Because he plays every game, right? On a team that is notoriously beat up in the last five years, which is also makes it even more impressive. Ryan Kerrigan, future Hall of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. Though I will say, if we're talking about players who I think are underrated, I'm going to go one position inside of Ryan Kerrigan. I think Matt Ioannidis is a great player. Oh, yeah. He's a beast, dude. Yeah. He's a beast. Fifth round pick from the University of Temple, Temple Tough. But he's staunch. He's what, he's what you would call a staunch young lad. He is... uh tough to move around and he like that's that's a interior defensive line group with a lot of talent and a lot of like very high drafted talent and nobody takes i need job from him in terms of like he two gaps a lot like at the four tech which isn't like mm. a little bit of a dying breed but he does it really well and and and, and he should be lauded for that and so matt ionitis is my underrated guy for the redskins i like ionitis man that he really makes that rotation go with him drawn Payne, jonathan allen that's a, a fearsome threesome and we'll say like i said i don't understand right. i mean i kind of understand because now Mason foster's bad were, were you and i i don't know if we talked about this we maybe did so stop me if we did but if you had to rank the four defensive fronts in the nfc east eagles giants redskins cowboys and like yeah it's like defensive front like not like you know front four whatever it's like defensive fronts how would you rank them? Eagles, Redskins, Cowboys, Giants. That's not about yeah, right to you? Yeah, four for four. That's correct. Yeah. And to me, it goes <laughs> Eagles are the top. 
Giants at the bottom, and then like Redskins Cowboys is like, yeah. you know, that's where there's a conversation to me. But I think it's Redskins second, and it comes down to the fact that like when you have, I think when you put out there Allen Payne, Ionidas, and and Kerrigan, that's tough for five guys to block. Oh, Allen, Ionidas, yeah. and Kerrigan can all really get after the passer, and Payne obviously is also like you know he's not gonna like just sit there in the middle, like he's gonna bull rush, he's gonna challenge mm-hmm. pocket depth, and so. To me, that number two is is the Redskins over the Cowboys, and that's where the strength of this defense is, right? Like we talk about, like you know, I said, like off oh, the Redskins' offense is successful is through this. If the Redskins' defense is successful, if they're winning games because of their defense, it's because very few offensive lines will be able to handle that front four. And with Montez Sweat out there, mm. it's a good spot. It's a good yeah. that, that 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 is a a talented and deep unit, which is you know, Eagles fans should know that can change your defense. That can keep you in a lot of games. If sweat hits, they could easily surpass the Eagles, depending on what happens with Barnett as well. So obviously it's a fluid situation right now. But let's get to our overall predictions for the Redskins heading into the season. I'm on a betting site right now, no free ads. They have the over under, like I said earlier in the show, at six. So the same as the Giants. And looking at their schedule I think I'm being generous when I say that I have them starting at one and four. I think that's okay because it's Eagles, yep, Cowboys, same. Bears, Giants, Patriots right out of the gate. That's four real tough games and one battle for mediocrity. I think the schedule is considerably more favorable after that. You circle the Panthers depending on Cam as well if he's playing. But either way, overall, it's not like that bang, bang, bang that they open the season with. It's going to be tough for them. So that means if they start one and four, they would have to go six and five for the rest of the season to hit the over and be seven to nine. And I just don't see any scenario where they're over 500 for any long stretch. Like that's regardless of the opponents because they're still playing NFL teams. I say that jokingly, but can they really string together consistently a solid run? I don't think so. And if they do, I don't even know what that looks like. Is it Haskins like balling out all of a sudden, or like they get a new defensive coordinator stepping in, they throw offenses off off for a few weeks. Like there's so many ifs there. So I think I'm going to go with the under, which means that would be two NFC East teams at five and 11 or worse. What about you, Ben? Yeah, so it's weird. So first five games of the season, like you brought up, I had them going one and four. Mm. They get Eagles, Cowboys, Bears, Giants, and Patriots. They beat the Giants. Then it is a six-game stretch, Dolphins, Niners, Vikings, Bills, Jets, Lions. Yeah, that's the that's where they got to collect the wins for me. Right. They can win like like they can win four to five of those games. And then it's the last five-game stretch with this Panthers, Packers, Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys. Right. <laughs> uh, which they're going to lose four of those games again. This is the problem. Uh, so that, yeah, that, they have all their, like, you know, bad-ish, average-ish teams in that middle stretch. And if it is Haskins, you expect them to get better as the season goes on and obviously be rough at first. And so, like, over-under is at six. I have them winning six. Uh, they have to be able to beat the Giants twice, I think, to get to six. Or they're, that means they're, they have to steal a game against like the Vikings, the Niners, or the Lions, who, while they're not good teams, they all have better, more proven quarterbacks right. than the Redskins do. And so it's tough right now to project those games as going favorably for the Redskins. So I do have them going six and ten. This is a middling team that's going to stay middling hmm. until there are some quantum changes, not only in the coaching staff, but above the coaching staff as well. But that'll probably <laughs> never happen for a long time. So gun to your head, if you had to go over or under, like you're, you're saying six and 10, which is fine for a prediction. I, I like that. But if you had to bet on this, would you put money over or under? Probably over just because you want to bend a uh, you want to bet a vending machine item on this because I'm going under. I mean, it's that middle stretch. If they can get hot <laughs> on it. Yeah, right. That's the, it's got to be the spot. Right. But then they get into like Panthers, Packers, Eagles, Giants, Cowboys. And 
there's no way of really knowing where those five teams are going to be. Like, you know, like we would love for the Panthers to be fighting for the playoffs. We would love for like the Cowboys to be fighting for the playoffs. Eagles and Packers, I'm going to assume they are, but like, you know, God forbid. So there's a chance like they come in hot and with the opportunity to spoil some playoff shots and then they steal a couple games. And like I said, Haskins, you, you would hope and expect him to be better by week 15 as compared to week three. And so I'm going to go over okay. cautiously. Vending machine item on the line on this very yeah. important. We bet. need to hire somebody to remember the vending machine bets because we've probably made and concluded Included several that have just never been paid. So if we could get a gentle listener to do that for us and also make sure that you're reaching out to us and let us know what episode 100 should be about. So I think that's going to yeah. wrap it on the Redskins. I think I think we're done on them. Not a very exciting team, but next we'll be doing the Dallas Cowboys. Ben, would you like to say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Hey, <laughs> thank you for listening. Appreciate it. This is the Kiss and Soul. This is KNS. The KNS. You have to say the KNS. You can't just say KNS. But then, but then it's the Kiss and Solak, and there's no show. The KNS. That's the Kiss and Solak, baby. Okay. So this is the <laughs> KNS. Thanks for saved so much time with that. That was great <laughs> time saving device. Uh, this is the KNS. Thank you so much for listening to it. We always have a good time, even when we're talking about the Washington Redskins. Happy uh, beginning of mandatory minicamp for you all. Happy uh, arrival of Malcolm Jenkins. I just got added in more Danell Pumphrey related tweets while we were recording this podcast, which is just you guys are just feeding an unhealthy habit at this point. You guys are just trying to get me to fall back and I will remain staunch. I will remain I don't know, Chase. Like I will I will defend my honor. I'm I'm looking forward to getting more of those. Maybe he wins the the punt returner job over your new bay, Boston Scott. That would be terrifying. But look, as far as all the the camp updates, the mandatory mini camp updates, unless something big happens, all that's going to be wrapped up in one show in the next BGN radio with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gowton. So you'll be getting that this week as well. Ben, sorry, I doing part of your job for you. I probably should have let you know that was gonna be coming up next, but you know. Here let me, I, I mean, I will, let me just say, I am shocked <laughs> that you have interrupted the wrap up with information that I do not have. <laughs> this never has happened before, and I'm certain it <laughs> will never happen again. I'm Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. He's Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL, that is K-I-S-T, as Mike said. 100th episode coming up, maybe it's the Cowboys, maybe it's something else, let us know. We like talking to you guys, you guys are our friends, we love you so much, goodbye. We all we got, we all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. P.G.N.